Welcome to Ticket Bud Tidbits. We're here to share tips, advice, and insights from event organizers for event organizers. I'm your host, Lisa Carson. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. In this Halloween-themed episode, we talk to Haunters Sue Rose and Rick Williams, who share with us their Halloween-themed event, The Nightmare Forest Web of Fears, a haunted forest trail walk through the historic Georgia countryside. This lovely couple are experienced haunters and really take pride in ensuring visitors are impressed by the experience, entertained and scared out of their wits. After previously running a successful haunted trail in California, they had to re-establish themselves in a new location across the country. That meant both physically preparing the property, but also getting word out to the community that there was new haunters in town. This is no ordinary haunt. Sue and Rick go all out. They want visitors to get their money's worth. It is a passion project that they take very seriously. It's obvious when you talk to them that they want this to be a great experience for attendees and to leave people talking about it while they wait for their heart rate to come down a bit. This year's theme is Twisted Wizard's Nightmare in Oz. Pure terror beginning with your arrival at Crystal Lake parking lot to your entrance into the pitch black maze of night to fending off the hundreds of creatures that lurk within Nightmare Forest along with the blood-stained yellow brick road. You'll be lucky to make it out with your sanity. And I'm told that they uh, greet people in the car park with a headless horseman. So uh, that's terrifying and I would leave at that point. But I'm sure other people are braver than me and continue on. This is a serious production that's been well thought out and executed. Sue and Rick work with the actors to bring their spooky story to life and strive to create a completely immersive experience for attendees. You're given a flashlight and directed onto the path where various scenes will unfold as you make your journey through the haunted forest. Ranked by Star Magazine as one of the top 10 spots to celebrate Halloween, attendees rave about the experience, including the attention to detail, historical artifacts, spooky themes, and creative artistry that takes it to the next level. Sue and Rick share what goes into creating such an experience, from inspiration to practical execution and logistics, creating a story, sharing your vision, managing talent, creating a spooky but safe environment, being prepared and adaptable, handling challenges, including intoxicated attendees or people who aren't wearing the right footwear that's safe for an experience where you're being chased by zombies. They highlight the importance of clear communication and repetition of that communication, especially with behavior expectations for staff and attendees. They talk about all the different promotional efforts that went into re-establishing themselves in a new place, as well as the value of their website and social media to more effectively showcase the experience and production value, making people more comfortable with pre-purchasing tickets once they can see what they're really getting. I hope you enjoy listening to my chat with Sue and Rick. Here it is. Welcome to the podcast, Sue and Rick. You're joining us today from Jessup in Georgia, where you've been hosting an immersive spooky adventure each Saturday during October in the lead up to Halloween. Uh, your event page for the Nightmare Forest Web Fears uh, describes the experience as uh, meandering through the dark, bone-chilling maze of forested frights and the barn of no return, where evil beings lurk behind every shadow waiting to drag you to your doom, spiders, snakes, creepy clowns, demented dolls, bloodthirsty zombies and cannibals, and much, much more lie in wait for you in the dark. Um, as I said to you before, I'm freaked out by clowns, so you've got me there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining the podcast. 
You're welcome very much. Thank you. We're happy to be here. So this isn't your first rodeo. You've previously held uh, an event like this in California. Can you tell me about where all this started um, and what got you into hosting these sorts of events? Well, you know, we both are former correctional officers, so I think working with creepy, scary people for decades <laughs> may have had something to do with it. But you got a lot of material to work with? Exactly. So we no. met in the 80s, me and Susan here, and it was a long courtship over two or three decades, and we finally were married in... Uh, years back and we decided to have a we love Halloween so we decided to have a haunted wedding on Halloween night it was a costume wedding and and we thought well heck we have 16 acres here why don't we make a a forest for all the guests and that's what we did and all our family and friends enjoyed it so much that we then opened it up to the neighbors and it sort of evolved out of that nice I love it I'm a big fan of Halloween uh, we don't really celebrate it much in Australia, so I had to move here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised to hear that. It's starting to take off um, now. It's becoming more popular. Yeah. But it's been not not for a long time. I was one of the few people having Halloween parties. <laughs> Good for you. A trailblazer. Any, any excuse to dress up. <laughs> you know, Halloween is actually, what is it, like the third fastest growing industry in the whole world, as we understand. It's it's getting huge. So. Yeah, probably because it, it's been so big in the U.S. for ages, but it's starting to take off in other places. Yeah. Yeah, so well, we're I glad think to now, hear that. especially with the internet and Instagram, and people are seeing things, it's like, oh, that looks like fun. We want right. to get involved. Right. So, so, where do you draw on your inspiration for all this? Well, I think other than past life experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but where, where do you, like? You've obviously maybe been to other events and things where you go, that creeps me out. I want to incorporate that. We did, and and let me segue on that is part of the reason we did this ourselves because we found events that we paid. An enormous amount of money to go to really were quite uh, well. They weren't fulfilling. They were really. <laughs> it felt like they were just taking your money and you walk through some cardboard walls and you're done. Yeah, we got yeah. robbed and they charged a fortune for the tickets. And yeah. you might you walk through a dark room with heavy metal music blasting, so you couldn't hear anything. And every yeah. once in a while, you know, a ten year old kid would jump out in front of you to try and scare you. So we were okay. like, we can do this, and we want to create something that we would like to go to. Yeah. So that was kind of the genesis of that, sort of. And then us living out in the, in the woods, so to speak, we yeah. already have the atmosphere. I mean, walking out into the creepy forest in the dark. Is, At night, yeah. That usually has people frightened before they even get out of the car. Yeah. So, I like a barn, and I'm, I'm scared already. Yeah, exactly. We, we had people last year, I know, that pulled into the parking lot and just said, no, they couldn't do it, and they, they drove away. <laughs> so, I, I think that might be me. I've been like one of those people that pull up in the parking lot. I'm like, yeah, I can do this, and then I'll be like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> but back to your question regarding where we draw inspiration. You know, Rick and I were both, we both grew up, um, I'm 58, what do you know, 56? So Rick... Rick and I grew up in a, a era of horror movies, classic horror movies, and in California, we watched this fellow called Bob Wilkins. He had a program out of Sacramento where he would play these, you know, B-roll, cheesy um, uh, horror flicks, 
and and he you know injected a lot of humor into his program and we loved watching him every Saturday night and we grew up with that and we grew up with the horror comic books so you know it was kind of in our in our bones yep and and we've always loved Halloween but we're also huge history buffs we love urban legends we love going to cemeteries uh, wherever we live researching the local history and we like to incorporate a lot of that into our a- attraction and make it sort of educational so to speak with a twist yep. i've done some ghost tours and things that things like that i think i might have done one in savannah and uh it's a little bit more creepy when people are bringing in real stories to stuff or, or urban legends or <laughs> like oh. it absolutely is and you know yeah. you know something else i wanted to add too is this industry being so huge, there's actually quite a network of haunters, through, at, at least throughout the United States. And there's all sorts of social networking that goes on, conventions for haunters. And you can really get a lot of great ideas and draw a lot of inspiration from what other people do. Really, oh, nice. Really, really fun. I might grab some, uh, like, information about that from you so I can share it on the website afterwards. Absolutely. Because other people might be interested to going to those things. Sure. So, what do you think really appeals to people about having a really immersive experience? I think adrenaline. Uh, <laughs> fear, fear tends to bring on adrenaline. And yeah. once that starts pumping through your, bo- your body, you, you feel alive, you know? Yeah. That, and knowing that you're probably going to be okay, I mean, so yeah. you're able to enjoy it a little more than a really scary, real event. So, yeah, I, I really think that's what it is: is the feeling of being alive and having fun with it. Yeah, and you know, you know, people like an interactive experience too, like a sort of like a live video game. They like to be engaged in that manner. Unfortunately, I'll say unfortunately for Rick and I, because it's not a direction that that we would like to go, but a lot of, I would say the direction that a portion of the industry is going now um, is towards very extreme haunts. Okay. uh, Where people are signing waivers and they're simulating abductions and rape. Oh. They're touching the guests and... uh, so a lot of people sign on to that. A lot of guests enjoy that. Uh, I'd like yeah. to emphasize that will never be part of what we do. Yeah, it might be taking a bit far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't be signing that way, though. <laughs> <laughs> nor, nor us. <laughs> All right, no, thank you. I've uh, seen funny things that, uh, on YouTube where they, they try to scare people with clowns or something like that. And the thing that I find most entertaining is is where some girl's boyfriend throws her in front of the clown and runs. Have you seen anything like that going on? <laughs> yep, and see, we get to see that live and up close. Yeah, you never, you never quite know how people will react in, the, in a crucial moment in life. <laughs> and usually they don't either. I'm like, we're done, we're done, fella. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's like, if, if you're not sure about him, take him through this and test him out. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We'll, fi- we'll figure him out here for you. I should be on our website. I like website. it, I like yeah. it. So, so this is your second year at doing pre-sold tickets with TicketBud. How did you manage ticketing previously? Well, things that, well, I mean, we both had managed other things other than the haunt before. And the way that I managed adult football leagues before, and we usually do uh, on-site ticket sales. That's yep. how I pretty much did those in the past. So, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So how has uh, Ticketbud helped manage the ticketing process and what's sort of about uh, offering a service that's made things easier? Oh gosh, a, a whole host of ways. I would say foremost, we're able to, uh, when people purchase tickets online in advance, we're able to get kind of an idea of what our revenue is going to be up front so we can adjust our budget accordingly throughout the season. Yeah. You know, especially like us being new here in Georgia and having to reestablish, we weren't quite sure what the ticket sales were going to be, what the reception was going to be like. So having that information up front is very helpful. Um, however, I will say <laughs> that with regard to our, uh, our current um, region, we find a lot of people prefer to pay cash here. Yeah. So. And pay up at the door. Yeah. So you're recording that online with Ticketbub so you can see how many you're doing online Absolutely. and how many. Yes. So you can still track it. Absolutely. And, and I, that's what I was going to add. I can go back online afterwards and I can input all the cash sales. So yeah. uh, we're, and, and also we're able to take uh, credit cards and debit cards at the gate, which is yeah. wonderful, wonderful benefit. But then at the end of the day, we have reports that we can rely on. And those reports give us, you know, so much information um, like contact info for our guests so we can do follow up, allows us to find out when people are buying tickets, seeing the trends, what period during uh, the Halloween season are they purchasing the most tickets so we can adjust our advertising accordingly. Yeah. And I would say probably finally that uh, when people purchase online, it expedites the flow at the gate when I'm working ticketing. Yeah. It's so easy to just scan their tickets on a mobile device. It's so quick and efficient. That's why a lot of organizers tend to have separate lines. So if you've pre-bought them, you can sort of skip the queue. But that, I tend to, when people have done it once and they see people passing them, they're like, next year I'm buying online. Right. <laughs> exactly. And with how TicketBud tracks the ticket sales, we can, you know, it's pretty evident that a lot of people wait till the weekend, the Friday and the Saturday, to actually purchase what they're going to do. So we that gives us the opportunity to do some spot advertising, like some billboards that we maybe we only rent for the Friday or the Saturday night, or the newspaper yeah. ads that we take out, you know, for specific days based on ticket sales. So very helpful in that yeah. regards. So uh, last year, I think you sold tickets for specific time slots, and you haven't done that this time. You've gone with more of a general admission. What was the reasoning behind that? Well, last year we lived really remote in the mountains of Northern California, and our parking was pretty limited. Uh, so we really needed to control the flow of traffic more uh, there. And here in Georgia, we have you know an enormous amount of parking, so it's not an issue anymore. So we don't okay. really have to manage exactly when they're going to be here. Then you have a cast of 25, I think, that, uh, that are helping you bring this whole adventure to life. Yes. I saw the, the Twisted Wizard and the and Perilled City, the Glindagon Bad Witch, <laughs> and the Ghoulish Flying Monkey Horde, which, again, that was the thing that creeped me out about the Wizard of Oz. Me too. <laughs> and that's why they're here. And our, our, and our guests will... I think they had many nightmares about them. Yeah, and we may have them deep, deep in the woods when the guests get the furthest from the parking lot. Wow. <laughs> uh, so what was the process for finding these people to become these creepy characters? Social media, mostly. We found that's been the most okay. effective. Um, different, you know, Facebook groups, different help-wanted 
uh, Facebook groups in the area, local event groups. Um, we've used Craigslist. We've posted flyers at different places of business. We've used the actors that we've already hired as word of mouth. In fact, some of the actors that we're utilizing now uh, worked at another seasonal attraction that has has since canceled. So they okay. knew a lot of people, a lot of folks, oh. and we're able to bring them on our, on board. Oh, that's great. And so what goes into the character creation? Do you provide the costumes and makeup or do they bring some things? We do. We provide all the costumes because we kind of want to maintain control of our own vision. Yeah. And we determine their roles. We allow them to ad lib too. Yeah. You know, we want to give them some latitude to do that. But we basically want to create the role, the position, the costume. Uh, last year, we did not have anyone doing makeup. This year, we brought on a local gal to do makeup, and she's just fantastic. And so nice. we're able to do a lot of additional advertising for her as well on social media um, by you know featuring different characters on our Facebook page, on our website. I'll have to grab some pictures of the characters and the makeup that we can put on the website. <laughs> Absolutely. And we find that we, you know, based on... Little- we, we keep an eye on what's going on with our our guests and our actors, and our, our characters evolve weekly. For example, at first we plan to, to have our scarecrow as being evil walking around, and then somewhere along the way we decided to have him uh, being consumed by zombies, eating his <laughs> little poor newly found brain. So uh, I think it's important to uh, always be conscious of your region and what folks might take offense to. Yeah. So we did a lot of asking of the neighbors and, and town folks that we came across and, and we were surprised back here in the south uh, being in, in the Bible Belt that, that they're more lenient I think towards horror ideas than it seemed like they were in California. And uh, okay. that was yeah. a little bit surprising to us. Yeah, we actually toned it down a bit coming here and now they're all saying, no, we want we want the worst. Bring your worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I think when I've traveled around the U.S., through the South, seem to have the more, like, haunted, spooky-type things. Yeah. yeah. Tours and definitely. Yep, we're in the heart of it, for sure. It. I, I did. <laughs> we had a uh, Charles Manson crypt last year in California. Oh, wow. Because I, I, were, I was a correctional officer. I worked with him in, in the 80s. So we left that, that, that behind in California. Okay. And so what sort of briefing do you give the performers like is it written on paper or do you just talk to them about what their role is and what they can and can't do because I saw on your website that they're not allowed to physically touch guests so how does the briefing happen well a week before the event we had a a full team orientation out here where we went over they all got a copy of the rules and regulations and our expectations Uh, we walked them through the trail we showed them their areas where we thought we designed the best scares for them, and as far as all the, uh, like I said, the safety precautions, and we have radios here for everyone. Actor has a radio, a two-way radio with me in case of an issue. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I would also add that we don't only communicate, you know, rules and expectations to our actors, but we do that for our guests as well. Okay. Um, you know, we have trail rules. Uh, we have a sign you know, at, at our gate that explains what our liability insurance will require. They've got to wear appropriate footwear. They cannot touch the actors, just like the actors cannot touch them. Yeah. Um, so, so we communicate that in writing. We, 
we communicate verbally with our actors throughout the event because mm -hmm. I don't care how clear you are, how much you repeat a message, there's always going to be someone who doesn't hear it or refuses to listen or follow the yeah. instructions. Yeah. So that's kind of a constant <laughs> throughout the event. You know, we have actors who sometimes during an event they get caught up in the heat of the moment and they think that they can change maybe the course itself so they can get a better scare or something to that effect. Okay. But there was a reason we have the course uh, to set up other people down the road for a yeah. scare. So, and most of them you just explain clearly what, what you're trying to, to create for the guest the effect, and then they get it. And we've yeah, been yeah. pretty blessed with real good staff. You know, I would say, too, that the way we work with the, the actors, the way, we, the way we recruit them, the way we communicate with them, it's always evolving, obviously, based on what's gone wrong, what has worked well. Mm -hmm. a, a prime example is, in years prior, we interviewed actors solely um, via phone. That didn't work out too well for us. Maybe when they showed up, you know, based on a phone interview, we might have put them in a certain role, but yeah. their personality didn't fit it. The body type yeah. might not have fit it. Or they might not have showed up at all, or they weren't really interested in doing the event. So this year, we met everyone in person beforehand. Okay. You've talked about you've got a very clear design for the whole experience. How do you go about doing that? So what the path's going to be, what they'll encounter along the way, the props you need. Like, what's that plan? Well, do you map it all out? Absolutely. And it's a lot of uh, visual. I mean, there's a lot of times we're sitting on the couch trying to walk t watch TV and something will come in our head and we write it down. And, and then a lot of walking of the path. And it's like, you know what, the, the terrain itself on your trail, on our trail, we'll kind of set yeah. the areas where you need to put your giant spiders or your your snakes or your bats. I mean, the terrain itself will kind of let you know what needs to go there. But uh, okay. all in all, it, coming here to Georgia, we didn't have a path at all three months ago. So it started with a higher gentleman with a giant tractor plowing through the forest, and then it took days with me with a pickaxe and an axe and pruning shears to make it safe for the guest. And okay. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears goes into that. And then you just, what scares you? What scares me and Sue? And we walked, it's like, what would get us? And what kind of segues from one scene to the next? We would like our scenes to kind of blend into each other. For instance, okay, yeah. we have the great pumpkin Charlie Brown scene where poor Charlie Brown doesn't do well. And, uh, so, <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here where yes, characters, yes. the beloved characters don't do well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that blends right into our Sleepy Hollow scene where the Headless Horseman and so we, we try to make all our scenes kind of blend into one another. And by the way, we do have an actual Headless Horseman riding in the parking lot. So oh my goodness. We do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would that that would definitely keep me in the car. <laughs> we'll send you some pictures of her. I'd be I'd be a very easy scare. <laughs> How do you keep the whole experience fresh from year to year? You know, do you try new things? Obviously, you've got a different theme each year. Yeah, I mean, we people I believe like standard characters like your Jason, your Michael Myers. They like traditional, but they also yeah. like it to be fresh. So we just try to. Come up with ideas in our little demented minds about what would, uh, <laughs> what would take people to an experience that they would enjoy, that their adrenaline would pump and uh, and that they would feel alive. And 
We guarantee yeah. you, you come out here at Bloodman Acres, you will leave here feeling alive. <laughs> Our trail is. You may have nightmares for next month, that's but right, that's right. real life. Yeah, exactly. Our trail is never the same from year okay. to year. Now we may have the same types of scenes, like our spiders. Did we mention yeah. we have a nine-foot spider? Oh no, you did not. Yes, <laughs> a human-eating spider. I might add. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so of we're we're going to have a spider scene every year because most people hate spiders. Yeah. But we change it up. It grows. Yeah. It gets bigger. So we'll have those same typical scenes. We always add to them, change them up, and our theme is different every year. And we really yeah. try to figure out any phobia that we can think of that we can bring to life for people. We, we, we'll yeah. do it. I mean, okay. when you walk through our spiders, you're going to get webs in your face. There's going to be spiders all over you. And it's, it's amazing. We have a, a 50-year-old gentleman. He's a fireman. And mm-hmm. even going through the daylight hours of our spider grove, he ran. He's definitely afraid of spiders. And this man's a fireman out fighting wildfires, but he cannot stand spiders. So No, when you've got someone with their phobias, you know, we figured one clown if somebody had a phobia would be scary. But yeah. I decided why don't we just do eight of them in the barn? So Oh my god. Yeah, so it starts with Pennywise, and then you got all kinds of clowns with mallets and chainsaws and pickaxes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) I want to see video footage of this. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of the unique challenges when organizing an event like this, and what have you learned along the way? Wow. How much time do we have? (laughs) There have been tons of challenges along the way, but... Those are the best teachers, right? Best opportunities for learning. Yes. I would say one of the issues that we've had, a haunted trail is obviously very different than a haunted house. Mm -hmm. You're having to deal with the elements, the weather, the wind. Poor Rick, last Saturday night for our opening night, spent hours erecting all these blackout walls for some of our scenes and the wind blew them all over. And then we had a uh, down, we had a downpour at the you know end of the night. So we're having to deal with the elements. But also, I mentioned that we give guests flashlights. Yes. And we we want them to we want to maximize their experience. And mm-hmm. obviously, that means walking through the dark forest. I mean, a, a dark forest alone without any spooky creatures. It's is creepy. Scary. <laughs> yeah, it's scary enough. So we we tell folks. You know, don't don't use a lot of light, but they a lot of them will bring their own flashlights. They'll use their cell phones, and that takes yeah. away from the experience. So that's been a challenge for us. We haven't quite figured that one out yet, how to get them to not use the light as much. We also like to stagger our groups because that's another way to kind of amplify the fear, the fear yeah. quotient, right? Smaller groups. They're going to be more scared. So we try and stagger the groups, but they'll wait for their friends, and then they all (laughs) kind of bunch up. So that's kind of been a challenge for us as well. A big one, everyone listening can really benefit from this, is our advertising. People want to be spoon-fed information, and it drives us crazy. I'll give you a good example. Okay. You've seen our website. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of information on the website. They won't read it. They'll go to the website, find our email address, send us an email, and ask us, when does this start? Where can I buy tickets? How much does it cost? So 
<laughs> we've learned if we're going to do any sort of advertising, we've got to just bullet point, like, for example, our flyers. Give mm-hmm. them the information, how much it costs, what time does it start, where is it? That's what they want to know. Yeah. Um, billboard, for, an exa- for example, same thing. So that, that has, knowing that about the public was kind of a surprise and has impacted the way that we do our advertising. It's very common quite often that you sort of got to give them the, the headlines, the key information, the frequently asked questions, and then go into the details where it's not how we would traditionally think of promoting something. Right, exactly. But it, it, it's been a little bit discouraging because we want to get them to the website. We want them to see the information there. We want them yeah. to read our backstory. Well, one of our biggest challenges also is actors. Mainly getting them to, even after they commit sometimes, they you know they just don't show up. I mean, that's, the pay's not that great. So, And I think following other haunts throughout America, it's probably the number one mm-hmm. issue, mm-hmm. the number one problem that we all have having... Because it, it's rough, because you design all these scenes, and then all of a sudden you yeah. have three or four actors not show up on a given night. That area is kind of dead. I mean, what we have done in regards to that is we have filled our entire trail full of giant animatronics. So let's okay. just say one actor don't show up. Well, they're still going to have a giant clown animatronic or a giant werewolf, or something's going to be there. They're not going to be bored. That's why we took the time this year. We traveled, I don't know, from distance, probably 60 miles to and from here to interview people. Yeah. We wanted to really get a feel of them. And it's worked out better. Because uh, you then you've got that in-person commitment and, you know, hopefully people feel a little bit more guilty about right. canceling it last year. Exactly. Exactly. You know, put, put a kind of a... Yeah. A face to to the voice, and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Have you had to have sort of backups for something if it was like a really key role? We have, yeah. and one of the backups is me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that <laughs> there, there was one instance last year where I was I had to play a, a clown. We built a mine shaft down a hill last year. I would wait down at the end of the hill and take the zombie role because somebody didn't show up that night. And yeah. then as the, as people went through, I'd run up the hill, put on the it's clown mask and play that role too. So I was running up and down the hill. So oh my goodness, you do what you have to do so that the so the experience happens. Yes, it's important. It's it's very important to us because we know people's hard-earned dollar can go other places, and we want them to have a good time. We really, yeah. really do. That's what makes us happy. When people leave out of here, they're laughing, they're smiling. That makes us happy. Yeah. Nice. You know, I would like to say too, with with the, regard to the actors. It's so hard to get people to share your vision yeah. of what you're creating. You know, that's that's your baby. That, that's our baby out there. They want to come and, and just have fun scaring people. But to get them to really buy into what we're doing is a challenge. But, you know, that's I, I, I'm sure every manager across America could say the same thing about their staff. How do you get your people to buy in as a team to what you're doing? That's a yeah. challenge. That's why the best staff are usually people who do buy into what you're trying to do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, so, like, if you're in, I guess, forums where people are passionate about scaring people and doing this sorts of things, they'd be the best people to use. Exactly. And yeah. that's kind of what we we strive to do is to build a core group and a family of haunters that we can bring back every year. And you do. You, you do yeah. pick out a, a core group out of out of all of them. So this is a family-friendly event with no smoking and it's an alcohol-free policy. Have you had any issues with people turning up to the event intoxicated and how do you manage that? 
we have, and I guarantee every haunt across America or wherever it has. I mean, it's just a, it's a common thing. It's going to happen. What we do try... That, that liquid courage they've had before they exactly. come. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's not always the fellas. Sometimes it's the ladies. And yeah. It's one of those deals where if they look so impaired that they're going to fall down and hurt themselves, we won't let them through. But it's a really a hard call on that. And, you know, a lot of the issues, if what I've noticed, if they are intoxicated, it's it's a good chance they're going to do something silly on the trail. Yeah. And uh, so once they come in and we determine they, they look like they had one too many, we do monitor them pretty closely throughout the trail. That's yeah. what we attempt to do. And if we have issues, uh, Rick is one of our security personnel. You cannot He's the have, security. Yeah. He's a bouncer. <laughs> I'm a clown. I'm a zombie. I'm a he wears a lot of hats on yeah. the trail. You can't yeah. have too many first responders out on the trail. But we haven't had real serious yeah. issues. I mean, yeah. we'll have an issue where a guy will grab an actor or something just goofing around. Yeah. Uh, more times than not, you talk to them about it. They know they're wrong. Along those same lines, another issue that we've had are women coming out to the trail wearing high-heeled shoes. Ah. And it's not appropriate. Yeah. And uh, some of them absolutely refuse to wear appropriate footwear. So <laughs> that can be oh a bit goodness. of a challenge as well. Just throwing that out because if somebody out there is thinking about starting a trail, that's definitely a consideration, especially for liability. Yeah, just need to communicate that. I mean, if you are partic- there's so many other activities you participate in where you have to wear certain footwear. So That's correct. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. But yes, I understand that people sometimes don't get that. <laughs> and we've had them show up impaired and wearing high-heeled shoes. Not a good combination. <laughs> and then you, th- then you throw in eight clowns chasing you. Yeah, clowns. I'm just like, that's just not good. horror movie there. Exactly. <laughs> the event page says uh, children under 13 need to be accompanied by an adult uh, through the trail, and they have a reduced price ticket. How did you decide on what age to set this at? Well, having raised two, two boys, my sons are 27 and 26 now, I kind of had a gauge on when I thought my boys could handle something like this. So yeah. I kind of used past experience of being a dad. And yeah. uh, and we passed that along to even people who showed up last week with younger children. And we told them, hey, we're not responsible for your child being in your bed for the next two weeks. <laughs> you know, kind of as a joke. but uh, And we also tell our actors, if we see a little one going through, we, we'll call on the radio and say, hey, back off of that. Yeah, 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 go a little lazy. We do, we do. We had a little yeah. girl last year came out. She looked eight or nine. It was her birthday. So yeah. we, we made a call and tried to take it easy on her, make sure she had the best time that she could. So Parents know what their kids can handle, um, whether yeah. they can handle scary movies or not. Um, that's why we just, you know, say parental discretion advised. We have a lot of very young children come through that handle it better than their parents do. Well, some better. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably true. Well, some better I, I watched lots of horror movies when I was young, yeah. including Stephen King's It. Oh, yeah. And um, I couldn't watch it now, but I did when I was younger. <laughs> See, you're still traumatized. That's it. It did the damage. It was right. delayed. Right. So uh, you also have some gifts for sale at the event, and I know you do photo opportunities with the monsters. What sort of things are you doing there? Well, we found um, through experience that uh, our guests, they kind of like to be part of the experience. A lot of them show up in costume. For those that don't, we like to have things for sale like masks or goofy hats. 
and they sell. People love them. Or silly sunglasses, you know, um, weird little flashlights. People love that kind of stuff. So photo ops. This year, the plan was to have a photo op with our headless horseman. We haven't got that together <laughs> quite yet, but that's kind of ultimate goal. Uh, I do a lot of crafts that I sell. I love to get old Victorian porcelain, uh, I'm sorry, porcelain dolls, like at the thrift stores. Mm-hmm. And I destroy them, and I make them really creepy, and I call them my hateful dead dolls. Oh my goodness! And I have those for sale as well. So the possibilities are endless. And this year we added a well, one of our actors. Uh, she came on board, and she let us know that she they had a food truck. It's called Franken Diner, and mm-hmm. it has perfect. We'll have to send you a picture of it. It has pictures of monsters all over the. The food truck. Classic horror movie monsters. And all their food is green. They'll serve green corn dogs, green everything, and they serve something called a Kraken. It's a funnel cake. It went real well last week. Oh, I love it. That's perfect. Yeah, food is a big... Pretty food options as well. Food is a really big draw, and it's nice to have all these um, extra little things for sale because it occupies people when they're standing in line. And what we've done is, after Halloween... We go out and hit all the after Halloween sales. And okay. we get stuff 75% off. And we pass it on to the people here for that same price. They can get the stuff they're going to spend $20 for at their local store. They're, they're going to get it for $5 here. So we have lots of merchandise that's brand new. That's great. So you spoke a bit before about uh, promoting the event and different things. But what channels have you used? Oh my goodness, what haven't we used? Okay, we tried oh. everything. <laughs> Again, how much time do we have? Oh, well, what's been the most successful? <laughs> um, social media, of course. Okay. And, you know, I will share, too, that Rick and I, being older, we, were, we weren't raised with computers. We didn't grow up mm-hmm. with Facebook and social media. And I had to get out of my personal comfort zone with that. I'm not a real big social media person. I'm very private. Yep. I don't like to post all the time about you know my personal life. So, but you have to. It's a, it is a necessity if you want to be successful. You have to utilize social media. So I, I had to get out of my comfort zone a little bit yep. to learn to do that. So Facebook, Google, Yelp, any any YouTube, any way that we can advertise on the internet, we have done okay. so. We've used yard signs. We've had them made up. We've sent flyers to local businesses. We hand them out wherever we go. We uh, Word of mouth, we talk about the event everywhere. We go out to eat at a restaurant. We're telling all the waitresses about it. Radio ads, then remote live broadcasts. Uh, we've got a billboard. Rick's, Rick's big clown, leather face, clown face is going to be on a digital billboard this week. <laughs> nice. I would say what's been real effective, though, as well, are uh, we, we always give discounts for specific groups. Right now, it's law enforcement, peace officers, firefighters, uh, active duty military. So we really mm-hmm. try and, and engage with those groups and working yeah. with the nonprofits. When you work okay. with a nonprofit, a lot of times you can get free advertising. Okay. And it's important to us that we always, at the end, end of the night or at the beginning of the night, ask our guests where they heard about us from. So yes, we can kind yes, of pinpoint where, what works best for our advertising dollar. And what we tend to found out is everything we do pays off, whether it be just a flyer we posted in the supermarket billboard or whether it's a billboard itself or the radio broadcast or word of mouth. Everything works. 
Because uh, it's the repetition. Right, nothing's a waste of time. Yeah. So we just bombard the town with pictures of clowns. and it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> that, know, that gets their attention. <laughs> you know, I'd like to add to Lisa that we worked really, really hard, both in California and here in Georgia, to advertise and promote our event because, well, when we were in California, we were in a very remote location. Everyone said, nobody's going to come. So we were out, wanted to prove them wrong. We worked really hard, and we did. We proved them wrong. Coming here to Georgia, we had to reestablish and get ourselves known. So we had to kind of repeat that process all over again. And we worked really, really hard getting the word out in every way possible. And like Rick said, nothing was for naught. Everything we did worked. So are you encouraging people to take pictures and, and share hashtags at the event? Oh, absolutely. Check-ins through Facebook, Uh best form of advertising, I feel. And then I will, of course, the night after an event, post guest pictures back to our site, our our website and our Facebook page as well. We've also started featuring different characters through social media. I think I mentioned that earlier. To give people a preview of what's coming. Yeah, Right, right. I like it. Or a nightmare of what's coming. And you know, <laughs> at least at least they know what they're getting. Exactly. Yeah. You know what that yeah. serves to do too. Not only does it help the public to get excited, it keeps our actors excited too. Yeah. They're getting you know a little bit of promotion. Yeah. And we're boosting them and thanking them for for their efforts. And also helps people see the level of production involved and how detailed it's. Not just someone with a sheet over their head. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's really helpful. Especially if people have got to drive out to it. They want to know what they're getting. So a portion of the proceeds from this event are being donated to the 200 Club of the Coastal Empire, which benefits families of fallen and uh, disabled law enforcement officers and firefighters. Why was this important to you? Well, I think uh, dual reasons. Number one, me and Sue both were peace officers in California for 50-something years together. But the main reason was my nephew followed me into law enforcement, and he was killed in the line of duty in 2007, and yep. John Miller, and John's fun spirit, he loved Halloween, he was always a goofball, so really, this to me is my kind of paying respect to my nephew, his fun spirit, during the time of year that he loved most, so. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's great for events as well, uh, people, you're creating a uh, like a fun and a community type event and I like that it, there's a way of giving back to the community I think people enjoy that yeah you know we will always we always have donated to different nonprofits, and we always will and uh, last year we will we were able to give a substantial donation to um, a local cat sanctuary and rescue so okay. we do stuff for the animals as well do you have any Tips or advice for other event organizers that you can share? You've shared a lot, but just curious if there's anything specific. (laughs) Oh, yes. We could go on and on. (laughs) I would say first and foremost, and Rick and I would both agree on this, don't listen to the naysayers. (laughs) If you want to do something like this, follow your heart. Follow your passion. You know what is best for you. We have found that family are the worst critics. They kind of project their own fears <laughs> on you. Yeah. For example, when we wanted to move to Georgia and move our haunt here, people didn't want us to go. So they kept yeah. telling us we weren't 
you know, how awful it was going to be here. We wouldn't be successful. We were going to hate it. We were going to end up coming back. Things like that. Don't yes. listen to the criticism. Every home haunter will tell you plan, 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 and plan again. You can't plan enough. Rick works out a schedule weeks in advance prior to our setup. We usually start setting up in August, and that's really not enough time even for us. We're, we're old now. <laughs> Give yourself enough time in advance for your setup. Have a plan B. If something can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. Stick to a budget. Every haunter is going to tell you that as well. There's so many cool gadgets out there. There's so many cool animatronics, and you just want to buy everything. It's so hard to stick to a budget, but you have to. It's very, it's not common in this industry for haunted attractions to be successful or to generate a decent profit. You have to be business minded. You have to stick yeah. to a budget if if you stick hope to, a budget to see. And a clear plan. Of course, of course. You know, another thing that I wanted to say is it's really good to follow the trends in the industry. You can listen to different podcasts on haunting. You can go to different conventions. Uh, you can watch things on YouTube. You can go to social media. And they're all going to give you advice and they're all going to tell you what the latest trends are in the industry. Take it with a grain of salt. Use what works for you and throw the rest out. Don't take it too serious. Um, a good example is escape rooms. Escape rooms are really popular right now. Mm -hmm. They're not really something that Rick and I are hip to. It's not something that, you know, it just doesn't ring our bell. We don't go, oh, we'd like to incorporate an escape room. Yeah. But we did incorporate an element of that. We have a fork in the road on our trail, and you have to choose which way to go, and you better choose wisely because one is a dead end. And, you know, with a lot of nasty creatures at one end. So, <laughs> so you know, be yourself and do do what works for you. And I know Rick has something to say, but I do want to add one more thing. Um, don't forget the legalities, your liability insurance. Check with your local county or city regarding permits, fire permits, what sort of regulations they have regarding sign signage and advertising. That's all very, very important. I think that's a big deal, especially... So you have to have insurance for the uh, event? Not required, but I certainly... But recommended. Absolutely. I would never go without it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, quickly, I just have, like to add that, you know, there's... In the haunt industry itself, there's a lot of status quo. I mean, for instance, a lot of people say you don't mix different themes. If you have zombies, you kind of do a whole running zombie theme and don't mix in your other stuff. We, we're blowing that out of the, out of the lake. <laughs> Uh, I like it. Yeah, we figure uh, we're going to hit every single fear and phobia that we can possibly think of. So I guess if we're just telling people out there to be original, be themselves, don't do what everybody else. If you want people to drive for a distance to your haunt, why, why are they going to do that? What makes you different than the haunt in their local town? Yeah. And just be flexible on what they're doing and just realize usually on the night of the event, what can go wrong will go wrong, but be... <laughs> flexible and just adapt and overcome and just as long as their mindset is making this experience as fun as for their guests as they can be they'll do district well i have one more question to ask you which is because we talk about events i'm curious about a great event that you guys have attended and what you loved about it we both went to a alice cooper concert that we just loved 
because he was very theatrical. You know, he used a lot of props and music and lighting, and he was real interactive with the audience, and that's something we like to do on our trip. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, Where was the concert? Uh, Jackson, California, last summer. Yeah. The thing that I enjoyed, I, I the Trans-Siberian Orchestra puts on their little holiday show during the Christmas season every year. And I went to an indoor arena one year, and they were doing a song about Christmas, and the whole arena started snowing on the inside. And it was just so impressive how they utilized the, the snow to bring the, the feeling of the moment there. So Special Yeah, effects. that's gorgeous. Yeah, it is. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today on the podcast. Oh, you're really great welcome. to have you both join us for the Halloween episode. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, for anyone looking for a fun Halloween adventure, check out Web of Fear's Haunted Trail. It's open every Saturday night from 7 to 10 p.m. during October. Located in Jessup, Georgia, about an hour from Savannah and not too far from Florida and South Carolina. Uh, check out webofthears.com and you can get tickets online now through Ticketbar. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Until next time, this was Ticketbar Tidbits. I'm going to leave you with a little piece extra for this podcast. While this event is always going to play on people's fears and phobias, that's what they do, uh, the theme is different every year. So Sue goes into a little bit more detail about this year's theme and describes the event experience as you go through. So I thought I'd leave you with that. This year, our theme is a twist on The Wizard of Oz, Twisted Wizard's Nightmare in Oz. So we've created a lot of real intricate scenes around The Wizard of Oz, and I'll add that our that the characters don't have a real happy ending on our trail. <laughs> so I'll, I'll spoiler get, alert. Yeah. So our guests arrive. They're given a very tiny flashlight for their group. We don't want them to be too comfortable out there because the dark of the forest kind of adds to the experience. So they start out on the trail going through Dorothy's house, which has, of course, been hit by a tornado. As they leave the house, then they follow not the yellow brick road, but the blood-stained brick road. As they journey through the Deadwood Forest, through Nightmare Forest, and meet all sorts of night creatures on their way to Oz. When they get to Oz, we have a climatic scene at the end, which is our version of the Emerald City. And we call it the Imperiled City. And it is a barn full of demented, killer, creepy clowns. A whole bunch of them. Our (laughs) wizard, in fact, is a creepy clown. He's Pennywise. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Everybody's favorite. Dorothy has actually been turned into a zombie. Nice. She's devouring Toto. And <laughs> oh, no. Our Tin Man gets killed by zombie munchkins in the zombie munchkin nursery. And our Scarecrow meets with a, a, a bad ending at the hands of zombies who devour his brain. Poor soul. Oh he God. finally gets his brain and then he loses it. Oh, no. But we have a lot of classic characters on the trail, like our um, our Jason, our Michael Myers, our Ring Girl. The flying monkeys are there as well. They meet our guests, meet all of them as they journey through along the trail, ending with the creepy clowns. Anything you'd like to add? Uh, the cowardly lion is also on the trail. You will find him in in the butcher shop. 
<laughs> Different cowardly line body parts are for sale. So. Oh wow! He's our fresh really... meat. <laughs> oh wow! You've done it there. 